Hi, this is Terry McCarty, and uh, welcome to a bonus episode of Reviews and Otherwise. And this episode has the title, Some Mild uh, Heresy, regarding Quentin Tarantino. And to begin with, uh, virtual show of hands from all you listeners out there, how many of you plan to uh, go to a supermarket or bookstore or newsstand and buy a trade paperback copy of uh, Quentin Tarantino's novelization of uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And otherwise, uh, another show of hands out there for how many of you have seen once upon a time in Hollywood, at least uh, eight times. And having said that, uh, regarding uh, Quentin Tarantino, I kind of hold uh, opposing thoughts in each hand. Uh, I think that uh, in the current climate of uh, relatively woke, uh, feminism being recognized in f- filmmakers that are of a certain age and, and Quentin's getting there, that uh, the Death Proof film does kind of count as uh, his degree of wokeness and and Kurt Russell's uh, Stuntman Mike is one of the great uh, lacerating uh, portraits of uh, misogyny that you find in just about every town or city. Uh, certainly people working in the film business or just, you know, ordinary people you might uh, run to, run into at a small town's uh, independent uh, one-stop grocery store. And also with Quentin uh, in the 90s when he was able to use his uh, Rolling Thunder imprint that the uh, Weinsteins allowed uh, so he could uh, have some of his favorite films. And I believe one of them that got the imprint was uh, Wong Kar Wai's uh, King Express. The fact that he was able to share his tastes uh, for various kinds of films, uh, some of them, of course, being uh, in the grindhouse variety, but at least he shared what he liked, and sometimes with filmmakers, they're not very good at uh, doing anything but kind of like throwing the uh, light onto themselves, and that's about it, so... And and it's too bad that uh, in the Blu-ray age, there's not like anything uh, similar or whatever uh, going on. Even though I guess if you could stretch it, the uh, Vestron video, uh, you see you see Blu-rays uh, from the you know of films that they did in the in the 80s uh, and into the early 90s 
but um, I guess I have my old qualms uh, about uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood uh, uh, getting to be turned into like uh, Quentin's equivalent of uh, James Cameron's Titanic where it's this uh, theme park uh, that uh, audiences want to revisit again and again and uh, just uh, luxury in the creation of a particular period, a particular environment and uh, when I was a relative youngster in 97, 98, I would go on news groups and be not very nice about uh, people watching Titanic over and over again and just say, well, you know, Titanic was like uh, Cameron imitating Tom Laughlin doing the trial of Billy Jack where everything was, you know, pretty much bang, bang, heavy handed and broad, broad melodrama and, and stuff, and, uh, and, you know, 23 years later, I recognize the craft uh, that went into Titanic and the, and the quality of, certainly, of the lead performances, and it's still not my favorite Cameron film, but I, I wouldn't uh, be, you know, disdainful of, uh, of people that, uh, love it enough to see it multiple times. It's just, maybe for me, uh, with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, it's like I, I have a copy at home, I, I liked it in the theater, but, and it's just, for me, it's kind of difficult to see why uh, people, you know, once you get beyond uh, the quality of like Leo and Brad and Margot Robbie, uh, Julia Butters, all the all the main performances, you're kind of dealing with uh, like a you know, 1969 environment where uh, you're spending a lot of time with people that aren't very enlightened about uh, much of anything and uh, and like maybe maybe to some people who watch it uh, that are struggling between, uh, you know, being more cognizant about, you know, hey, maybe it's a good idea not to be saying racist or occasionally bigoted statements uh, or whatever, and I'm sure there's a few people like that uh, that are multiple viewers of Quentin's uh, audience that probably, you know, laugh straight up uh, at the Mexican remark that Brad Pitt makes out in the back parking area of Musso and Franks and, and probably laugh at the Bruce Lee sequence without 
uh, thinking thinking anything like, uh, well, uh, maybe, maybe I shouldn't be laughing at this because uh, it, it's basically I'm endorsing Brad Pitt's cliff uh, being a jackass. And I don't... I don't know. It's... Uh, I'm sure the other appeal of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, uh, if you're seeing it over and over and over and over and over is the the uh, mourning sort of like moose bellowing about uh, especially Leo's character about obsolescence and uh, uh, that working conditions get uh, worse and jobs are harder to find and uh, you have to go go into Europe to, because you're an American name you can at least make movies uh, even though you know in the back of your mind you're not uh, likely to have a career balance like uh, Clint Eastwood or even uh, Eli Wallach uh, or, or Lee Van Cleef did and and I'm sure that there's a lot of people, uh, me included, who like the sequence uh, where the, uh, Leo and Brad just sit and uh, talk movies in the that uh, restaurant that's in Sherman Oaks, and uh, probably would love to see like a hour of them like riffing and then you hear Clinton's voice from off camera encouraging them to keep keep going so it's just uh, me having come out here in 1988 and uh, worked for the almost greater part of, of the uh, first decade I lived out here either as a non-union extra then a union extra uh, and uh, non-union and union stand-in and uh, toward the start of my stay a, a production assistant uh, at American Film Institute it's just it's difficult to kind of have like feelings of nostalgia for uh, Hollywood or Los Angeles uh, to the degree of wanting to, to just, you know, see, see uh, dozens of times a period piece, even if it's a period piece that took place two decades before I moved out here. But, uh, well, all I'll say about moving out here is that you still had the uh, Ambassador Hotel, uh, which if some of the rooms are being rented out, it, it was closed down at the end of the year in, in, by 1989, and then Donald Trump uh, took over the hotel and, and basically made money running it as a backlot of sorts where a lot of uh, production companies filmed there because Trump wanted to knock it down and build Trump Tower LA and thank goodness the city of Los Angeles uh, stopped that from happening although the well we know 
what happened later to have for the hotel to be razzed uh, uh, and and become become a, a school instead of figuring out a way to uh, keep more of the building and then just uh, rebuild from within. Uh, but that's a story for uh, like a which way LA type of show or. And it, it just, to me, it's, it's difficult to, because I, I know, like, that's the, the one great thing for me of uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is at least Quentin does kind of recognize on some level that there's a kind of narrowness about uh, the lower uh, rungs of the industry where the, where it's kind of like they love to and this goes to people I encountered uh, people love to to talk about movies and, and, and I've bonded with some of them and the, sometimes the price for bonding is you get a uh, heavy dose of like very right-wing politics uh, and or outright uh, racism or sexism and then you have to uh, think very very hard is it is it worth uh, uh, becoming a stunted person because you're around uh, people that are you know really really stunted and backward looking uh, when you know the world uh, is and should be uh, bigger and more inclusive. So that's kind of maybe why my viewing of uh, of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is unlikely to grow beyond uh, uh, probably just a the lower end of the single digits uh, and I'm surprised that uh, Quentin went the novelization route because I sincerely thought that he would uh, have uh, opted for something like what he did with uh, Hateful Eight when it uh, has been on Netflix like take the roadshow cut and uh, chop it up into our segments that that there would would have been a longer version of the film uh, and done the done the same way turned turned into a into a mini series but that's mm, but i i guess that the the book was the option he went with, and uh, of course he's doing press for it, and um, and I'll probably listen to the Mark Maron podcast when it uh, goes up, and uh, I probably, though, draw the line. I don't think I'd, even if I was able to, I don't think I'd want to pay $75 to, to go to the New Beverly the Theater, Quentin runs and uh, hear him read excerpts I, I, I don't think I that much of a d- 
devout fan to to uh, to do that, and I just uh, would have to pass. But I guess in closing, uh, uh, William Shatner did the SNL sketch back around 1986, uh, where where he uh, told the Star Trek convention to get a life, and I I wouldn't. I would never say that to anybody, and I don't mean to be anything I've rambled about in the last 16 plus minutes to be patronizing to people that uh, kind of have made uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood their uh, Quentin film that they can just watch forever and quote dialogue and uh, you know uh, just luxuriate and uh, you know post on Twitter Rick Dalton uh, mock posters and stuff like that but I, I would say that if you're getting into the thing of viewing it 23, 24 times maybe it's a good thing to like reach out and tell yourself, well, that, well, you know, there's, uh, new, there are new films to, to watch on demand, uh, like Holler, which I'll talk about in a future episode, and, uh, there's other things by other filmmakers, male, female, uh, gay, straight, uh, and uh, non-binary in the marketplace, and maybe, maybe you should forgo that uh, viewing or for the twentieth or thirtieth time of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and uh, support one the work of one of those filmmakers like uh, Quentin in the ninety supported others uh, with his uh, Rolling Thunder. shingle and on that note uh, thanks so much hi this is Terry McCarty and uh, this is a revision uh, tacked on to the end of the episode about Quentin Tarantino and the movie turned into a book of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And I listened uh, to the episode after putting it on air instead of before, and I realized uh, that there's a couple of salient points I didn't quite uh, get around to, uh, so I just want to expound on them briefly here and when I'm talking about the reviewing of uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood uh, I in my opinion I just wonder about uh, I guess 
why in a way because it's not as repeatable viewing as say the, the first two films uh, Reservoir Dogs and uh, Pulp Fiction and to me it's more it's a good film but it's uh, second tier Quentin and uh, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is essentially a rebound uh, from uh, The Hateful Eight which could be considered uh, third tier Quentin and fourth tier would be the awful uh, lounge comedy uh, segment uh, that was his contribution to Four Rooms. So basically I just view Once Upon a Time in Hollywood as more of a uh, uh, do-over retrenchment, uh, uh, certainly more heart than Hateful Eight, but uh, there's the flaws too and I just wonder if the people seeing it eight times, 15 times, 20 times, uh, whatever, if that's, some of that's like the first generation audience, uh, morning advancing age, and uh, wanting to live in the fictitious 1969 uh, as uh, much as possible. That's, that's the one salient point I wanted to make. And uh, point number two is the old issue, and it, it comes up again uh, nowadays uh, with young people uh, being woke, being conscious of representation, and uh, sometimes being, you know, ruler on knuckles, uh, we don't like what this person does in real life, let's throw everything he or she does into the trash. Uh, The whole issue of depiction of uh, dubious behavior in actions in a film and uh, whether or not uh, the viewer believes that the depiction is equal to the filmmaker endorsing and you could say like for an example in Scorsese's uh, gangster films and uh, Wolf of Wall Street uh, it's pretty clear that Marty's not saying go out and uh, kill people do lots of coke and uh, you know wreak havoc on the stock market for your personal wealth and it is probably with uh, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood maybe uh, a little bit dicier in terms of seeing the line between depiction uh, whether or not uh, it means that the viewer is supposed to you know be like Mel Gibson having Patrick McGowan throw the gay son out the window and and Braveheart and if you're being cued as a viewer to to be homophobic and give the the whole scene a big laugh and uh, 
and certainly the Bruce Lee sequence is, I don't want to use the young people word problematic too much, but it, it's probably a sequence that deserves the questioning it got at the time. And uh, it's like you don't see, I mean, most of what you see of Bruce Lee in that is just the, the Brad Pitt sequence and uh, anything with him and Margot Robbie's like sort of done like medium long shot as an aside and no um, real emphasis uh, put on the uh, Bruce's instructor stuff so it's fair to ask questions of um, whether uh, Bruce Lee is a, you know, petulant uh, guy is the way you, you know, want people to come out of your movie remembering as, and, uh, and uh, I guess also the depiction meaning endorsement issue, like all the times in the film when you kind of see the casual racism or sexism and and you I mean I'm old enough to know I mean I, although I was 10 in 1969 I kind of realized that uh, those you can't really do a depiction of 1969 without uh, you know showing people being narrow and uh, unenlightened is just the, it's still the degree of uh, is the filmmaker depicting it uh, in a objective way, or is he or she uh, carrying the audience to to uh, laugh, Mel Gibson like at uh, at incorrectness, of, you know, like you're. You know, like you're, if you're in Los Angeles and you're still listening to, to shock jocks in the morning on KOS or um, stuff like that. So, those two issues, I guess, were things I failed to bring up when uh, doing the original recording for the episode. Uh, and I just wanted to take the time to make a correction here. And anyway, thanks for listening. And if you like the show, please recommend uh, on your favorite uh, venue of uh, social media. And there will be a couple of uh, new regular episodes later in the week. And thanks ever so much for listening. This is Terry McCarty, and see you later. Bye. Thank you.